All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of What's What VR today. We have Dr. Emily Cassidy with us. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Well, I appreciate you taking time. There is, especially in the medical field, it's hard to get time sometimes these days. Make it a little time for us to talk to us. No, it's um, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'll let you do it. For anybody who doesn't know, kind of what is it that you do? You know, kind of what's the daily, you know, job for Dr. Emily Cassidy? What do you? Sure, sure. So I am a thoracic surgeon. Most people have no idea what that means. Um, it means uh, surgeries within the chest cavity. Predominantly, it's lung and esophagus surgery. Um, my, my specialty, my sort of day-to-day, I really have a strong focus on lung cancer. That's, that's always been a passion of mine. Um, so I would say the majority of my cases are focused on lung cancers. Gotcha. And you're at the lake, correct? I'm at Our Lady of the Lake. Yep. Yep. Um, we operate almost every day here, Monday through Friday. So a typical day in the OR gets started around 7 a.m. Um, and we'll do anywhere from, you know, two to sometimes four or five cases per day. Um, in between, we see patients in the clinic and, and patients in the office. Um, there are obviously a lot of other diseases within the chest that, that are treated by thoracic surgeons. But like I said, for me specifically, I would say the bulk of my practice is related to lung cancer. Okay. Well, it is also Lung Cancer Awareness Month, right? That's where we're at, you know, today. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to kind of have you come talk and goes on. I always find it funny. We have these months for things like we only need to worry about lung cancer during the month of November. No, that's no, definitely uh, need to worry about it all the time. I think it's always good to to raise awareness, and I, by having a month assigned, it kind of you know gets us plugged in with people like you to help get the good word out there. But I do think Lung Cancer Awareness Month is of all of the disease awareness months, it flies sort of under the radar. Um, our color is white. No. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like if I'm wearing a white shirt, nobody knows I'm representing. <laughs> I'm going to say something that sounds really horrible, but it's like my mind went, you know, somebody needs, they need the marketing team back on this because I immediately think white, like the surrender flag. And if you've got lung cancer, you don't surrender. here. <laughs> you need to, you know, you don't go wave your white flag. Yeah, you know, no, for, I agree. But you know, like when NFL players wear white socks, we're not really raising any awareness that way, are we? Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are they doing, is that for lung cancer was that for us or is that just because the guy felt like you know wearing the white socks like, which one was it <laughs> so or i guess maybe you could market it and spin it and say that it's you know with football they always are trying to raise awareness with the white socks that, that would be a, a more glass half full way to look at it you're correct and so so tell me what is you know if there symptoms somebody should be looking for you know kind of walk me through, you know, kind of risk factor, symptomatic, you know, what is it? Yeah. You don't just, I can't imagine somebody just wakes up one day and is like, you know, I think I've got lung cancer and then rolls into the ER. It seems like this would be one of those, you thought you had something and turns out, unfortunately it was this. So yeah. yes and no, you know, I think there are, there are kind of two broad groups of lung cancer patients, right? Um, typically, the, the group that's in the earlier stages of lung cancer, they are completely asymptomatic. 
there are certainly risk factors, you know, um, there's obviously cigarette smoking, secondhand smoke, uh, environmental exposures, family history, things along those lines. Um, and that, you know, that affects all of us to some extent. But I think what's, what's tricky about lung cancer as compared to maybe some other cancers is that when it's in its early stages, it is almost always asymptomatic. So if you, if you sort of wait for those symptoms to develop before looking for it, it's, it's, it's advanced at that point. Um, the symptoms are usually more related to progression. So those patients will present with, um, you know, cough, chest pain, shortness of breath, but that's typically indicative that a lung cancer has progressed to an advanced stage. So, you know, at that point, surgical options aren't, there's not much we can do to surgically remove an advanced cancer. It's spread, right? So from the surgical side of things, our real hope is to diagnose more and more early stage lung cancers, um, which is why we feel like screening is so important. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of symptoms that we look for with other cancers, you know, for, for breast cancer, you know, women are told to, to feel for masses, um, for colorectal cancer, you know, um, rectal bleeding is a sign that something may be going on, but for lung cancer, that's just not the case. It's, it's kind of a quiet thing until it, until it isn't. Wow. So tell me what is the screening? You know, I've grown up, yeah. you know, here South Louisiana and, you know, I haven't heard much about it and it just, doesn't seem you hear you know go get this go get this at this age do that you know where does it start yeah so and i think there's a few reasons for that number one is lung cancer screening is a little late to the scene um so this just sort of gained momentum after a study that was done in 2011 um so while you know that's 10 years ago and we should kind of be up to speed at that point it's not as old as mammograms or colonoscopies. So I think, I think it's gaining more momentum as, as people are learning more about it. But that, that's one reason I think is that it's a relatively new recommendation. Um, the other reason I think a lot of people are unaware of it is I think there's a real stigma with lung cancer. Um, one of the requirements to get screening, and I can go through that in a little bit more detail as well, is that either you're a current smoker or a former smoker who's quit within the past 15 years. So a lot of patients are not really proud of that fact about themselves. Mm. You know, they're, they're, not, um, they're not excited to say, oh yeah, that's me. You know, I've been smoking my whole life, um, especially when it comes to, to healthcare, you know, um, there, there just seems to be some, some shame that goes along with that. Um, and I mean, you know, I, I reassure patients constantly, you know, it, nicotine is addictive. And particularly, you know, patients who are in the age range for cigarette smoking, they may not have even had um, a realization as to the detrimental health effects of cigarette smoking back when they started. So I think getting over getting over that bias, that stigma um, is one piece of it. And the other piece of it is that we just need to be more vocal in spreading the word. So when we talk about who's eligible for screening, it's, it's a huge patient population, um, particularly, you know, here in, in my home state of Louisiana, right? It's, it, it's a lot of people. It's patients age 50 to 80 who have either are currently smoking or have quit within the past 15 years and have what we call a greater than or equal to 20 pack year smoking history, which is a little confusing. So a pack year is packs per day multiplied by years smoked. 
So you can get to a 20 pack year by smoking one pack a day for 20 years or two packs a day for 15 years or, you know, a half a pack a day for six for 40 years. There's, there's a few different ways to, to reach that, that number. Um, it doesn't have to be consecutive. We screen a lot of female patients who have stopped multiple times when they were having children um, or male patients who have, who have quit and gone back to it. But cumulatively, if you have 20 pack years and you fall within that age, that age range, and you've smoked within the past 15 years, you're eligible for an annual low-dose screening CT scan. Um, it's completely covered by insurance. There's no cost to the patient. And, you know, unlike a lot of other screening tests, it's not invasive at all. Um, you lay on a flat table, you go through a quick scanning machine, it, it takes a few minutes, and, and then you're on your way. Um, not nearly as uncomfortable as a colonoscopy or a mammogram. <laughs> So in all, in all of the world of screening, you know, screening tests, this one really is the, the most convenient and easy one. Um, we just need to do a better job, I think, getting the word out there and, and letting patients know that, you know, there's, there's no shame in coming forward and saying, Ugh, I'm high risk for, for lung cancer. I should, I should come get this test. No, that's I was trying to run the map. I'm a former smoker. And so I was sitting there going, do I, you know, do I make it? And it's, so it's a, is that it's a huge number of people and, and we're really not doing a great job. So currently of all of the patients in our state who are eligible for screening, we're currently screening less than 4%. Wow. So, as, you know, it's a grassroots effort. And as much as I feel like I'm, you know, waving the sign in everyone's face, it's, um, it's it's tough. It's tough to get everybody to, to understand how important so, I'm in. So I guess I get where I get hung up and not to get into the weeds on this, but it seems like the age thing mm -hmm. seems weird to me. Like, you know, I'm not 50, you know, I'm mid 40s, yeah. 40 something. It's, it's like, OK, but I, I started, you know, I quit around the, when we had the flood in 16. So whatever math that is. So, but it's like, I've been smoking for a long time. Yeah. It's like, but I'm not at the mark. Is it something like, does it metastasize that the right word? Does, you know, something happen, you know, at 50 or is it like, no, just it's an insurance number, you know, where they're saying like, Hey, that's where we're willing to cut it. So it's definitely does somebody like me come in and go, Hey, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, can I come and do it and just say, hey, can I write the check for it? You know, you write the check for it. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's an insurance number. You're absolutely right. Um, so they're looking at risk versus benefit. It's also, um, you know, there's there's research that has gone into this to prove the benefit of screening. So the big trial that came out in 2011 was the National Lung Cancer Screening Trial. And so the patient population that they studied in that trial was patients age 55 to 74. So initially, that's what was approved for screening just because that was the, the patient population that they chose for the study. Um, it was relatively recently, just in the last year, that they broadened the age range. So they dropped, it was 55 to 74, and then some insurance companies were saying 55 to 77. And now the United States Preventative Task Force came out, I believe it was this past March, and broadened it even further to 50 to 80. So I think as they study this more and more, they'll be able to say, okay, well, we thought just patients over 55 were benefiting from this, but we dropped it to 50 and now we're seeing this benefit. So why don't we study this 
age group of 45 to 50 and see if there's a benefit there. Um, it's all numbers. It's all risk benefit. You know, how many are you catching versus how many screens you're doing? Okay. So tell me just if somebody wanted to, where mm -hmm. do they, where do they go? What's the, is you're not going into the ER for this, nope. you know, this is, do you need referral? You know, so there's, or... there's a couple of routes you can go. So one is to talk to your primary care physician. Um, they they can order the test. It's very easy to order um, in the electronic medical record. Um, so that's one route. If you have a primary care physician, if you have a pulmonologist, talk to them about it. See if you're eligible, and you know, ask them to order it. Um, most of our pulmonologists and primary care physicians should already be ordering this. But certainly, if if your doctor hasn't mentioned it, you should. Um, the other alternative is just to call us directly. So we have a lung nodule coordinator who this is her whole job is, is helping patients, you know, get the scans they need, get screened, um, all of those scans. Then if there's any significant finding, she brings that to our multidisciplinary team. Um, and that's a team that meets weekly to review all of these CT scans in a conference room. We do it every Thursday at lunchtime. Um, and we go through anywhere from 10 to 25 CT scans, you know, that, that are concerning um, so that we can make recommendations. So our nodule coordinator is able to kind of bring those concerning scans to conference, have the multidisciplinary discussion, bring patients in when they need to be brought in or just notify them of their results or their primary care physician if that's who's referred them. Um, so we're working really hard to, to sort of make this a well-oiled machine and make sure that every scan gets the attention that it needs and that every patient gets the attention that they need when it comes to, you know, to interpreting those and, and planning scheduled follow-ups. That works. So if we go from there, you know, one of the things is this, you know, this is lungs that we're talking about here. This has got to be a pretty big deal when from the surgical side, right? And technology is changing and moving. Has that made any change, you know, from before? Is it, you know, yeah. still what we're seeing on TV, people surrounding, you know, the patient? It's made a, it's made a huge change. Um, so, you know, the reason that surgery in the chest was always such a, a dreaded thing is because the, the traditional incision for lung surgery is a posterolateral lateral thoracotomy incision. So a thoracotomy is a big long between the ribs. It's, I mean, the instruments just look scary, right? So, so there's spreading of the ribs. Sometimes there's breaking of ribs. Um, it, it's not a difficult place, place to access. But fortunately, as minimally invasive surgery has taken off, and now we've evolved even into the robotic platform, we're now able to do lung cancer surgery through really small incisions. So our incisions are eight to 12 millimeters, which is between you know, a third of an inch to a half of an inch. Um, we have long skinny cameras, um, long skinny dissecting instruments. We're able to do the surgery um, more safely, um, with less pain, um, decreased trauma to the tissues, patients are doing better. Um, they're going home a lot earlier. And, and it's really not as big of an ordeal, I think, as it once was, you know, patients used to come into the hospital for lung cancer surgery, and they'd be in the hospital for weeks, you know, they'd have this big incision, wow. they, they would really be sort of debilitated for, for a an amount of time moving forward. So I think this has really changed the game. And I think as we've gotten better with the surgical treatments for lung cancer, 
that's propelled the screening even further, you know, because as, Mm -hmm. as the treatments get better, then we say, okay, we've got some really good options for early stage lung cancer. Now, what's the hurdle to, to diagnosing more of those lung cancer patients at the earlier stage where we can really use, you know, the tools that are, that are in our tool shed to get rid of this lung cancer. And I think that that's a, a tough thing for people as well. I think there's definitely a feeling in the community. Um, and like I mentioned, I mean, this, this is my community. This is, this is my hometown. So, I mean, I, I get this from relatives all the time. The holidays are coming up. I guarantee you all have several aunts and uncles be like, you can remove lung cancer with surgery. And it's like, yes, that's what we do all day long. You know, this in its early stages, lung cancer is a survivable thing that can just be surgically removed meaning, you know, a stage 1A lung cancer typically won't require any chemotherapy, any radiation therapy. We just take it out with surgery and that's it. Really? And is that, for somebody who doesn't know, is that just removing the cancer or is that like, do we take part of the lung with it, you know? Part of the lung with it, yeah. So some, you know, it depends on the location and the size will determine how much lung needs to come out for a complete resection. Um, sometimes it's a lobe of the lung. Sometimes it's a segment of the lung. It, that's, that's a judgment call once we, once we diagnose a lung cancer, but it's a, it's a very successful surgery. And I think we've made it so much better than it used to be for a patient. So, but the trick for anybody who's not paying attention is to get the screening done early before it gets to the point to where, hey, there's not much we can really do because we'd have to take the whole lung, you know, or both, you know, like. Or it's not, it's not even necessarily, I mean, sometimes that's the case, right? Where the the mass itself has grown to a size that it's no longer able to be removed with surgery. But the bigger problem is once it's spread outside of the lung, you know, so lung cancer can spread to the brain, um, to the adrenal glands in the abdomen, uh, to lymph nodes, just about anywhere to the liver, you know, so once it's, once it's in multiple organ systems, then taking it out with surgery doesn't offer as much of a benefit because you still have active cancer in other places. So as the cancer spreads further and further, our options kind of start to become less and less to rid the patient of that, of that cancer. Well, this is good news and, you know, it's bad if you have it, but it's good if you catch it early, you know, so it's really, like you said, we've got to get the message out for people to try is the CT scan. I've done CT scans. It's easy, right? You, you said it, you lay down, you get scanned, you're in and out. Is this a long, big ordeal for people to, is it fairly quickly to get scheduled? Is it like, you know, is this a, I'm, taking an afternoon off of work or I'm going to try to go run and do this during lunch. No, I think you're going to do it during lunch. It's, it's really easy. It is really easy. It's fast. We get them done quickly. Um, Anything that we find that's concerning on a CT scan is always going to be presented to our multidisciplinary team within a week. So we meet weekly. So even if something is caught the day after we meet, it'll be, you know, it'll be worked up within a week on the, on the next week's nodule conference. Um, so, I mean, I think we're, I think we're doing a great job being really expeditious and and getting patients in and out quickly. Um, we know it's a stressful thing for patients. We know, you know, it's not something that you're, that you're excited about doing, right. Having your lungs Mm -hmm. in three dimensions to, to try and examine every little thing. Um, 
but it it's it's just so impactful and i've heard patients say time and time again well why would i do that i mean if there's something growing in there i don't want to know because there's nothing you can do about it anyway and i'll never take chemo and all of this kind of stuff and and i think that that's a big part of the message too is no, there is something we can do about it. There's a lot we can do about it potentially, you know, but, but mm-hmm. we can't do anything about it if we don't know that it's there. Yeah. What do they say? The first step solving a problem is admitting there is one. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. And because um, of outward signs, it's just, you're just not going to know, you know, I describe it to patients. I describe the lung as being sort of like a big sponge, right? It's a, it's a soft air filled organ. So it's very spongy. So, I mean, if you have a green pea in the center of that sponge, you're not going to know it. It's, it's completely surrounded by a spongy air filled or it's not going to cause you any problems. You're not going to feel it. It's not going to affect your breathing um, until it, until it grows. Is there, obviously we talked about the smoking and, you know, makes it more of a high risk, but do you think, and this isn't by any means to knock or push, I have no problem, you know, kind of in that, you know, we live in the petrochemical industry. We've got guys, you know, where, yes. or, you know, I've got family. I think everybody's got family that, you know, works at a plant or, you know, works next to the plant. You know, should we be talking to those guys? You know, it's like, hey, you really should. Like, you, you may be at a higher risk because of, you know, what you've been doing for the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Yes. Yeah. And that, that is in the screening guidelines. It's just a little bit more vague. It's not as defined. So I think insurance companies haven't totally bought into how to define what, what is high risk when it comes to environmental exposures. Um, but I, it's certainly a risk factor. And I think when combined with cigarette smoking... It, it's sort of an exponential risk. Um, so I, I think as more and more studies are being done and more and more research is, is going into this and we get more definition, um, I think that the screening parameters are just going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, there's been a huge uptick just, you know, within the six years of my career, there's been a huge uptick of lung cancer in middle-aged females who have never smoked. Hmm. And so there's, there's clearly a lot that goes into it that we don't completely understand the, the reasons for, right? I mean, I think, you know, there's, there, there's genetic factors at play. There's environmental factors at play. It's, it's not, a direct cause and effect, you know, smoking equals lung cancer. There's a whole lot of gray area there. Um, and I, I think as we increase awareness, as we utilize our awareness month to, <laughs> to get people's attention, mm-hmm. then hopefully, you know, more and more dollars are going to be spent on, on researching these things because they're really important. Um, I, you know, I think lung cancer doesn't get nearly the attention it deserves. Um, you know, both in our state and in our country, lung cancer is the number one cancer killer. It's more than breast, prostate, and colorectal combined. Wow. It's, it's huge. It's a staggering number of people that are dying every day of this disease. Um, but it doesn't seem to get nearly the, the attention that, that the others get, you know, and it's, it's not just attention. That's probably not the correct word, but, but the awareness, the funding, the research, I mean, all of that is so, so important. No. And I hope we can get, hopefully this will get somebody to either 
run in, make the phone call or forward the show to somebody else, tell them to take a look, you know, something yeah. hopefully would help with. But um, I don't know. I just, it seems when you've got an answer that's so simple, kind of that's like, hey, just like you said, it's during lunch. It's make a phone call, go in. Yep. yep. 10 days later, you got some information, you yep. know, and it's the better thing to do. So yep. it's, it, it really is staggering. So I, you know, I mentioned, you know, going to, going to the holidays with the family and, you know, people are always asking about this sort of thing. Um, so I've obviously encouraged numerous family members to, to go get screened. And a year ago, I convinced my aunt to go get screened and sure enough, early stage lung cancer. Wow. You know, so she had it removed robotically. She's doing great. And I'm like, gosh, if, if this can be happening just in my little family, you know, it, cause that's all it took. Yeah. She, just, she just didn't know about it. It just took me saying, Hey, you know, you, you fall within this, this age group, you really should go get screened, you know, do it for me. I'm, I'm building this screening program, you know, come on. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and I mean, we saved her life. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's incredible. Well, so I appreciate you taking some time. I always tell everybody you got more important things to do than talk to me all day. So I appreciate you taking a little time to fill us in. And hopefully, like I said, we can get, get some awareness out here for you, get people to think a little bit. This isn't, like I said, it's not invasive. This is an easy, you know, easy yeah, answer. It's, if you fall into that, into that category, it's a zero cost, non-invasive, um, it's really, it's really simple. It's a no brainer. Just do it. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it. We'll have to have you come back. Tell us kind of maybe how things are going. We'll check in, you know, some more. I appreciate it. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. <laughs>